0: Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan.
1: Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We are going to go right to the phones. And joining us... He's, uh, you, if you got to, if you were at this year's ISE show, International Sportsman's Exposition, you got to hear this uh, young gentleman talk about fishing. He guides locally on a number of waters. He's a very accomplished angler, and we're just happy to have him on. We're going to go around and update you on what he's been seeing fishing around the state. Austin Parr, good morning.
0: How are you doing, Terry? Thanks for having me on.
1: You know, I'm doing great, and it's it's a beautiful day. It's hard to be indoors right now.
0: Oh, I... I can definitely uh, second that comment right there, you know, especially after the last couple of cold weekends, uh, having some nice warm weather certainly is is welcome in this state.
1: Now, even though we've had some cool, wet weekends, every indication I've gotten this spring is that the fishing is actually ahead of schedule. The ice went away early, things did get to a, a certain temperature earlier, and that pushed the spawn of some of the species. Is that what you're seeing out there?
0: I am, you know, especially on the front range here. We're starting to see a lot of walleyes uh, move into a lot of summertime type patterns where they're getting out of the post-spawn period and and moving up onto some of the humps to be able to be targeted with live bait or blade baits or or any number of of different applications for them. And then additionally, up in the mountains, it seemed like the the spawn happened a little bit earlier and our water temperatures are are slightly uh, ahead of schedule, a little bit warmer than what we would normally see uh, in this particular time in May.
1: Yeah, I think some of the summer lakes, we're almost seeing a summer peak that usually doesn't happen until later in June. But let's kind of go through. What have you seen? Take us through some of the specific areas and what you've seen and how you might approach them in the next few days.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, we'll start off in the front range here talking about Cherry Creek and Chatfield. Certainly uh, the walleye is on the minds of a lot of anglers in in the state right now. And and Cherry Creek certainly has been, uh, you know, spectacular as of late. You know, the summertime period has not quite Started out there on Cherry Creek yet so we're still dealing with a lot of fish out in the main basin where you're you're seeing suspended fish and also fish on the bottom and and those particular fish are certainly best targeted by throwing lead core at them and maybe some snap weights on a planer board but running crankbait and getting your bait right near the bottom something like a size five flicker shad or a small jointed shad wrap both have been fishing really really well and then perch colors and as usual hot Has been really good out there. So, trying to focus on that area that's in the 19 to 23 foot kind of range is is definitely solid. But if you're out there heading out out under the water on Cherry Creek and you're not seeing them out deep any day now, you're going to start to see them move shallow and and literally it could happen at at any point. And as you move the chat field, a lot of that has already happened out there. So, instead of your, your big time post spawn type period, you're dealing with a lot more fish that are up on the humps. And, you know, even last night we were getting a lot of fish uh, pulling a standard summertime pattern in a lindy rig where with a nice long leader pulling leeches and crawlers both and having a lot of good success.
1: No, it really is. And uh, are you finding, uh, like at Chatfield, you're seeing a lot of the smallmouth mixed in with the walleyes? I tend to. And when I fish it early in the year, before those smallmouth move to spawn, I see them feeding a lot right where the walleyes are. So with where
0: the water temperature is, it seems like a lot of those smallmouth have already moved to spawn. So we're we're having a, a, a percentage of them right in the spawn mode or right about 60-degree water temps out there. Um, and actually, we were around, and I saw a couple of fish on beds actually up shallow yesterday. So we did catch a couple of smallmouth, but not as many as, as I have seen in years past, at least during the same time frame.
1: That's really, I think, pretty early for those smallmouth, isn't it?
0: I would definitely agree with that. Typically, you're, you're seeing a lot more in, into the middle of May or even the end of May for a, a good spawn for these smallmouth. And although even even with that last front, it didn't seem to affect the water temperature a whole lot, and we're right back up to, to where we were before the front here. So it seems like those those fish are spawning definitely earlier than normal.
1: What else are you seeing along the front range?
0: So, you know, the, the bass fishing, speaking of the smallmouth, uh, in a lot of the, the local lakes have been really, really solid. Quincy in particular has been fishing well. Uh, guys have been throwing anything from from suspending jerk baits to rattle traps, and then starting to get a lot of action on on chatter baits as well as soft plastics. So Sankos, as usual, are, are definitely fishing well, and then also more creature baits like a beaver on a Texas rig have been been really spectacular. And that's kind of a technique you can use not only for the largemouth but also in the, for the smallmouth in some of your larger lakes. So you switch over to someplace like a horse tooth or an Aurora or even Chatfield, some of those creature baits, and then you, you incorporate some tube gigs in that as well, uh, certainly can can catch a lot of smallmouth and largemouth for that matter.
1: You know, speaking of Aurora, there's an incredible smallmouth bass population there with huge fish. Have, what, have you heard anything specifically about Aurora?
0: So I haven't heard anything really specifically as far as the smallmouth are concerned. I have been hearing, however, that the walleyes have been been definitely uh, working well out there. So guys have been going and and catching some fish in a little bit deeper water than you would see at at Cherry Creek or Chatfield, but jigging wraps have been a a very good uh bait to be using out there but additionally the same type of rig that we've been using at chatfield where we're pulling a bottom bouncer or a lindy rig with a leech or a crawler and then a lot of times we'll incorporate some some spinner blades particularly in aurora with how clear that water is you can really draw, you know pull some fish from a a good distance away but you know going about a half a mile an hour and pulling bait along some of those points has been really productive lately
1: now if we get away from the metro area a little bit are you hearing both warm and cold water What, what are you hearing there
0: so as you move up into the hills you know down i've been hearing a ton of stuff about uh, a good fly fishing bite going on up in deckers and cheeseman canyon right now so guys have been doing really well even with a little bit higher water starting but stoneflies big patch rubber legs have been spectacular up there trailing some betas behind have both been been fishing well and then even as you move to some of your freestone rivers the colorado has been fishing great been hearing great things about the gunnison and even the eagle and a lot of the same type of techniques and patterns have been working in all those destinations so having a, a nymph rig with a lead stone fly, and then trailing something a little bit flashier a little flashy betis or even moving into a, a san juan worm have also been fishing well up in that that higher water and then as you move to the high mountain lakes spinney is, has been really really good lately so tube jigs along some of the edges of the weeds as usual have been fishing well guys have been catching a lot of fish um Pulling a planer board with, uh, you know, like a Tasmanian devil or even a Cast Master behind it have been been fishing well. And then, uh, additionally, moving over to um, moving over to some of the downrigger bites have been good up at spinny as well. So, getting into a little bit deeper water, there's been some suspended fish out there, and, and that's certainly been been effective for anglers.
1: Now, eventually, I want to take you and I want to talk about getting kids started fishing. But just for even for just weekend anglers, adults, we talk a lot about these techniques and using them from a boat, both along the Front Range here and up in uh, up in the high country. Have you heard about some good shore bites for maybe the the person that wants to maybe drive but doesn't necessarily have a boat?
0: Sure. Well, to start with, I want to mention a Front Range bite that'll be happening here. You know, we mentioned Cherry Creek a minute ago, but once these fish move up shallow you're going to have a great opportunity at them from the shore. So something like a blade bait or even pitching a a live bait and and a little whistler jig from Northland fishing tackle or anything like a soft plastic little swim bait or something like that, they'll all push up really shallow. And and a lot of those fish will be anywhere from a foot and a half to six feet of water. So a shore angler certainly has a, a good opportunity at some of those fish. But then once you move up into the mountains, a location like stagecoach or steamboat both offer phenomenal opportunities from the shore you know stagecoach you have the opportunities at the pike and and you know you get a great population of trout at at both locations but then another location as well a little bit closer to home but all reservoir is is something that if someone wants to get out for an afternoon or or a morning or even a full day you can go out there and and have a great opportunity whether from a boat or from the shore and utilizing a lot of the same techniques we talked about from the boat so throwing hard lures or even if somebody wanted to to, you know utilize a second rod stamp and throw a bait line out on one rod and then throw something like a Tasmanian Devil or even a little jointed rapala out on a a secondary rod. Both of those techniques can work really well for someone.
1: You know, another technique that from shore gets really overlooked is a slip bobber. If more people would fish a bobber, um, everybody, we all get caught up in wanting to make high-tech presentations, but nothing's better at keeping something in the strike zone.
0: Well, and something that I see as well, you know, it seems like when you transition from ice fishing to open water, everyone moves away from their little small jigs. And everybody goes to the big lures immediately, whereas these small jigs are so effective on the ice, you can go in and run a slip bobber and get it right above the bottom. And particularly if you have a little bit of wind, you can get a little bit of action to move up and down on that slip bobber. And I utilize it a lot for walleyes, but I think it's certainly a, a greatly underutilized tactic when you're talking about trout in the high country.
1: Oh, I, I absolutely agree. And panfish, of course. It's just un, unbeatable. Um, one other lake I want to ask you about, as long as you, we're talking shore fishing, And Bear Creek Reservoir, and I haven't fished it for years and years and years, but it used to have a very substantial population of like very much like the southeastern lakes of Colorado, the John Martins, some of the lakes that have come back, Queens and those areas down there. The guys tend to hang a little shallower than walleyes. They're a little more aggressive. So you find there's maybe a little better shore bite for the guys there than most walleye lakes and that it lasts a little longer into the year?
0: You know, it, it's something where it's interesting. You know, I I fished that a couple times early this year out of my boat, and actually was was pretty surprised about how productive it was. We caught not only decent saw guys, but also uh, wall, excuse me, um, smallmouth as well. A lot of smallmouth, and all of those fish have been up shallow. So we were catching them, you know, in anywhere from from five to to eight feet of water. And from a shore anglers perspective, those fish tend to stay in that type of range for a lot longer. So, you know, you can certainly wind up having a, a great opportunity out there with, you know, soft plastic, something like a twitch tail minnow from Berkeley, a Johnson thin fisher. both fish really well, and even throwing some crankbaits or jerkbaits. You can catch both of those fish, and, and a shore angler has phenomenal opportunities to work around that lake, and, and that lake in particular has some good structure along the shorelines as well. So you have good drop-offs, you have good points, and and those different areas will concentrate fish, and you can certainly access them uh, from the bank.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you 100%, and I just don't hear, and maybe it's because it is so uh, appealing to shore anglers and as guides, you know, and as big-time fishermen that we are, we don't get out on there as much (laughs) as we should. And it's a lake, I think, that doesn't get enough attention, especially from the week. We don't talk about it enough from the perspective of the weekend angler.
0: Well, and you know, it's certainly another opportunity if you're an angler and you don't want to, you know, you're fishing on the weekend and you don't want to deal with a lot of boat traffic. You can go out there. It's a, a wakeless lake, you know, an under nine nine horsepower or an under ten horsepower, excuse me. But um, it winds up, it fishes really well, and it's kind of a more intimate setting. But you're not dealing with jet skis or ski boats or any of that kind of stuff, and uh, it's still you'll have an opportunity at a lot of nice fish.
1: Now, the last thing I want to cover with you, and I really want to spend a little bit of time on this. Um, I don't spend enough time chasing around the ponds in uh, in the metro area. I used to when I lived by Cherry Creek, but now I spend a lot of time up north that I live in Fort Collins. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that area on the next segment and getting youth out fishing. But talk a little bit about maybe some of the places, whether they're going with an adult or they're going to ride their bike or walk to a park or something, where are some of the opportunities in the metro area for, these, for some youngsters to get out and catch some fish, and what kind of fish would you target?
0: Absolutely. So, you know, in the metro area, we're, we're fortunate in the fact that we can wind up cycling through a lot of different species. So to start with, you know, there's been trout recently stocked in Prospect Park and Centennial, and both of those uh, lakes in, in the metro area offer great opportunities for, for uh, youth anglers to get out and have a lot of success. On you know catchable size rainbows, and then additionally, both of those two locations wind up offering largemouth, smallmouth, and even saw guys. And you can wind up getting uh, some. You know, you have an opportunity of different fish, so you can wind up targeting trout in the morning and switch over to a largemouth bite later in the day, or you know, vice versa. And and both of those spots can can be great. You know, a little bit a- away from from Denver, Evergreen Lake I think is another one that that potentially gets a little bit overlooked, particularly for someone taking a kid out. There's a lot of fish to be had in there, and certainly it's something where you can, you know, get that angler catching a lot of fish, and 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 when you get a kid catching fish, you really get them addicted for life, and all three of those spots can can do good. But, you know, additionally, a lot, you know, you, I can go on and on about different locations in in Denver, but pretty much every small lake that has public access in the metro area has some form of fish, and the majority of those are going to be largemouth and panfish. So you can go through it. With different baits like chatter baits, you can go through with lipless cranks and have, have a kid really cast and reel and, and stay active and, and have a lot of good success coming up, particularly as we, we get into the summertime here. And then, you know, also speaking about the summertime, the topwater bite can be great for kids as well. You can go out to your little local pond in your neighborhood, throw some poppers along the shoreline, and a lot of times you'll get, get pretty decent bass to cooperate with you.
1: Well, another thing about a topwater lure, especially, uh, some of these park ponds tend to weed in pretty heavily, and some of them Absolutely. have the floating weeds that are tough, tough to fish, but a lot of them have submergent weeds, which make them tough to fish, but yet there's open water. So you yes. can, you can go on that open water and throw a topwater bait and work it without having to get it, you know, fouled up all the time. And you, the, the, you know, the two things that I, when fishing bass for kids, I was telling you know, a, an unweighted four inch worm in a topwater will keep you, yep. will get you a bite almost all the time we're out of time uh austin if people wanted to book a guide trip with you or wanted more information or just want to meet you how can they do that
0: so my phone number is 303-514-5546 and i can also be reached in my email which is walleye93 at gmail.com
1: and I believe they can get a hold of you at Discom Fishing Tackle, too. Right? Absolutely. You can
0: come on down to the shop. Um, you know, I'm, I'm down here a lot of evenings, and, you know, we're right, right south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. Slide on down, and, and we can discuss all of this that we've just talked about in, in more detail.
1: All right. Thank you so much. You're a tremendous resource. We'll get you on again very soon.
0: Thank you, Terry.
1: Have a good one. Austin Parr, great young man, tremendous angler, tremendous resource. Glad to have him on. We'll bring him on once in a while. He's out in the water, folks, and this guy, is, he's good. I mean, he knows how to work at, uh, you know, old guys like me get jealous of some of these new up-and-coming youngsters. Not really. I love it. I love to see the young guys coming on with the passion and what they put into it. Um, we're going to take a time out here in just a second we come back we're going to start the first uh, segment of our continuing Ask the expert question we'll tell you all about that and then we got some shooting coming up and uh, and we just have a lot more to cover yet here in today's uh, in today's segments so we'll be we'll be covering all that and more uh, right here on right here on the show so just remember that uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer Dire Straits. Second only to the Eagles. Now, there's some other groups that come in there, too. But these guys are good. All right. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse. They are America's premier outfitter with locations... Up and down the front range, I believe they have six locations in Colorado. Well, if you count the Cheyenne location, which is just on the border, and there's one coming to Pueblo soon, you can find a sportsman's warehouse near you. And now we're going to start, this week, our sportsman's warehouse, Ask the Expert. And how the Ask the Expert works is you send us your question, you send it to the email, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Uh, At Gmail. Now, all these instructions are on my Facebook page. So if you go to our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, there's a post that's pinned to the top of the page that will tell you how to send your questions in and what information we need. But you send your questions in to us. Now, we can't answer every one, but we're going to choose one every week to answer. And the one we choose, we'll get a $25 gift card from Sportsman's Warehouse. So not only do you get your question answered on the air, but you get a $25 gift card to go to the Sportsman's Warehouse near you and purchase some of the outdoor things that we may talk about when we're answering your question. And we've already got a number of questions in, but I want more people to send them in. There's a couple reasons I want that. One of the reasons is that obviously, like I said, we won't be able to answer every question. But if we get four or five questions that are about a similar topic, we know we need to devote more programming to that topic. It helps us program the show because the whole idea of the show is to give you the knowledge that you want to go out and enjoy the outdoors. And if we can throw a few uh, a gift card your way and get you get some gear to help enjoy it, all the better. So ask the expert. Go to Terry Wicksham Outdoors on Facebook. And then you'll email us your questions at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors at Gmail. Today's Ask the Expert um, question is from Scott in Loveland. And his question is, what would be your best advice for a young person interested in going fishing for the first time? All right? Now, you heard me talking to Austin Parr a little bit about places that kids could go fishing. And he talked about some shoreline things and uh, things like that. But let's let's talk about... Um, the one thing that um, Scott didn't say was how old of a youth he's talking about. Because remember, everybody's younger than me. Okay, <laughs> so we're gonna assume we're talking about maybe s- somebody that's um, uh, you know, maybe nine, ten years old, maybe twelve, thirteen. I'm I'm thinking about that range. Okay, now the first thing is the gear. Okay, the gear you fish with, and what do you start with? And everybody wants to go buy the little Snoopy rods and things. You know, if you're three, four years old and you're really not going to actually seriously fish, you just want to put something on there to cast and you want to keep them occupied, get them excited. They may catch a fish on them. I'm telling you that you shouldn't not use those. But once they get, you know, nine, ten years old, especially... You want to start looking at something they can grow into and use for a while. Now you can start with a push button rod if you think their ha- depending on their hand eye coordination, you know, there's a lot of companies out there um that make the little push button reels. Abu Garcia makes some and there's just some, Shakespeare makes a whole bunch of them out there that you just push the button down and cast. If they can handle it, I prefer that they get a medium spinning rod about six feet long okay really though they should be able to handle it it's not that bad and that's a rod that they can fish with forever i use me six foot long medium spinning rods right now when i fish so i would get a medium spinning rod i'd put six or eight pound test monofilament to start with now the one caveat is you're going to have to change that monofilament two three times a year but it's inexpensive because it's going to develop twists but it's the most forgiving line to fish with, and it's the least expensive if you break break a bunch off. And it also helps you land fish because it has some stretch and give. So I would start by a medium spinning rod with six or eight-pound test line. The next thing I would do is if I'm a parent taking this this youth fishing. Now, as they get older, hopefully they'll get on their bike and go to the local park ponds or they'll walk to a place nearby to them. And we'll talk about some of those opportunities, too. But the first thing is a parent, the first few times you take youth fishing, take them fishing. Don't take them fishing with you. Leave your gear at home. First of all, they're going to need your attention and help, and they want your interest in what they're doing. If you don't do that, they're going to get, um, they're going to, you're going to get frustrated because you're going to be stopping to help them with tangles and knots and things. And they're going to get frustrated because they won't feel they're getting the attention that they wanted to split and make those memories and time with you. So take them, leave the gear at home. The next thing is go to the surveys of the parks in your areas. Go to the Parks and Wildlife website and look for some areas that have, the, the two places I want you to check are the stocking report for trout because stock trout in Colorado are usually very easy to catch and they you can take some home and complete the experience and you can find out what's been recently stocked and where there's fish available. The other thing I would look at the surveys from some of these areas that have a lot of panfish in them, okay? And I'd keep it simple at first and then progress as you go. One of the things I'm going to I'm going to pass on a place for um Scott in Loveland there's a There's a place called River's Edge and the Jayhawk Ponds used to be the two Jayhawk ponds, and then it was some more ponds were called It's called the River's Edge. It's in Loveland where they live and there's a survey you can find online by going to Parts and Wildlife and you can find that survey and These have a lot of sunfish they're stocked with trout, and they also have bass bass in them. so this is a great place to take a kid fishing. I would start with maybe just a bobber and some worm or a bobber and some small pieces of gulp, a great way to go after the panfish is to take a bobber, not even a slip bobber, take about two or three-foot leader, clip the bobber on, put a little piece of nightcrawler, a little piece of gulp, cast that out. When that little piece slowly sinks, you want it weighted, just on a hook, that will entice those panfish to come up and eat. If you think there's more trout you're going after, you may want to put a split shot or a slip, shot, slip rig on it and cast it out. If you're chasing the bass, try an unweighted four-inch worm that you have Texas rigged where, the, where the, it's actually buried into it. You'll catch tons of bass on these small lakes like that. So there's a lot of different opportunities and a lot of different ways to rig these fish. But the important place is to start with the right gear in a place where you have an opportunity to catch fish. So you can do some research by finding the stocking report and by looking at the fish surveys on Parks and Wildlife's website. But for Scott and Loveland, I would start out at the River's Edge Ponds with a six-foot spinning rod with six-pound test line, some sinkers and hooks, and some bait, and I think you'll do really well. For sending that question in, Scott and Loveland will be sent a $25 gift certificate from Sportsman's Warehouse. Send in your ask-the-expert question, anything on hunting, fishing, camping, outdoors, shooting, whatever the question is, if we answer it on the air, you get a $25 gift card from Sportsman's Warehouse. Sportsman's Warehouse is a... Is a uh, sponsors in part Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. They are America's premier outfitter. <music> Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish. Their honey smoked salmon is incredible. The secret is in the fire. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from one of our favorite places, Colorado Clays, which is right next door to Brighton and downtown Denver. Uh, we have JR Pierce. Good morning, JR. Good morning, Terry. You know, you have an event coming up that uh, it's it's so much fun, and we've uh, we've goaded some people to participate as representatives of the radio show over the last few years, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But this is not only a little bit of friendly competition, but what a day to spend with other outdoor people! Tell people about the event.
2: Well, Terry, uh, and you and you're right. This is. Uh, an event that's open to anyone, um, I think I should start by saying, you know, Colorado Clays, we're in the business, you know, of giving people the opportunity to really enjoy shooting sports in a safe, friendly environment. So when we created the format for this tournament, our main focus was to ensure that it be enjoyable, available, and affordable to everyone, you know, regardless of that competitive aspect. So, an overview of this event: Sunday, June fourth, twenty seventeen. Um, you know, step one: we're going to meet at Bar Lake State Park for a six o'clock registration and boat inspection. If you have a boat, uh, then we will fish from seven a.m. to eleven a.m. When the fishing is done and everybody is checked out, we'll be heading to Colorado Clays for a steak lunch at noon. Uh, once we're done with lunch at one o'clock, we'll do the shooting portion portion of the event. Um, this is a two person team event. So each team is going to fish the morning and then each person will shoot, uh, 50 targets for a total of 100 per team. You can fish from a shore or a boat. Um, you, of course you got to have your fishing licenses, park passes and such, uh, our scoring one point per inch on your fish and one point per broken target. Uh, and then we would finish up the day with our little award ceremony and, uh, Everybody shaking hands and having a great time.
1: No, it's a fantastic event. Let's start. Now, it's called uh, Colorado, it's called Casting Clays, right? Is that what you call it? Cast, Correct. Casting Clays is the name of it. And, you know, there's so much crossover in the outdoors that people hunt, fish, shoot. It gives people a chance to rub elbows. I think the great thing about the sport, before we even get into I want to talk about the fishing at Bar Lake, but before we even get into that, um, you know, anybody can win you know i I remember you were telling me you shared a story about somebody that nate zelinski who's represented the radio station for a couple years drove up in his boat and somebody said i don't need uh i didn't know professionals were fishing and you said don't worry have you seen him shoot a shotgun Uh
2: (laughs) (laughs) and terry that is so true and that's the beauty of this event um the way our scoring is on any given day, anybody has a chance at this. In the past, we have plumbers, electricians, trash truck mechanics, um, you name it, have all won this event. Um, and, you know, they've done well against, you know, Nate Zelensky's and, and other people because, uh, this is an all around event. Um, it is not necessarily, uh, a, a one dimensional, uh, thing, so.
1: All right, now let's talk a little bit about the fishing at Bar Lake. What species are acceptable and how, what will people be fishing for?
2: All right, and that's a good point. We First of all, Terry, we couldn't do this tournament without um, the cooperation of Bar Lake State Park and, of course, the amazing job you know Michelle and her crew do maintaining their facility. So um, Bar Lake, we're basically going to do what we call came, uh, the game fish. Uh, we will accept as... Um, legitimate fish, catfish, perch, walleye, wipers, crappie, largemouth and smallmouth bass, bluegill, and trout. And although we do have uh, shad and probably some carp and suckers in there, they're not um, acceptable, but everything else
1: is. Okay. So if you got into a perch bite and you were catching a bunch of five, six-inch perch, you catch a number of those, you could run away with it almost.
2: It's happened in the past, Terry. Um, go with your strengths. You get into something, like say when we're doing per inch, um, you can really rack up some points if you find something. So uh, that's that's the beauty of this format.
1: No, it really is. So they fish, and they can fish from a boat or from shore. And then after that, they head over to your place for a steak lunch, I think?
2: That's correct. So... You go to Colorado Clays. Uh, we will be serving a state lunch at noon. And Terry, what's really nice about the included lunch, besides you know being delicious? is that it gives all the participants an opportunity to get to know each other and, of course, tell those fish stories before they head out for the shooting portion of the tournament.
1: And there's no bantering or badgering or anything that normal anglers would do with each other. Of course That's not allowed. I mean, that wouldn't be proper, would it?
2: (laughs) I don't know. We'll find out (laughs) because I might have something to say to Nate.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then you do the shooting portion. Talk to us about that.
2: Well, the shooting portion of the day, that's going to take place on the uh, Colorado Clays' premier 15-station sporting clays course, and it's Set down in the trees in our beautiful creek bottom, so it's always amazing. Um, on our course, you can expect to see a, a real wide range of target presentations, Terry. And I'm talking, you know, left crossers, right cross, high, low, fast, slow, going in, going out, and even rabbits bouncing across the ground. So for our casting clays events, we hand select a group of stations from our course that give a really good fun mix of targets for everyone everyone you know can enjoy so it's it's an amazing afternoon
1: oh it truly is just fantastic and the idea is that you know um you know i kid i say what about somebody like me who can't fish or shoot and you know but all kidding aside i've i've gone out and done okay in sporting clays i've done some competitive i'm certainly not one of the sharp shooters but i can but if you can just break a few but somebody who doesn't shoot that well but can really really could get into a bunch of fish and rack up some points or somebody who shoots really well maybe doesn't do as well in the fish but there's going to be a, an element of anybody being able to do this and make it work i just um i just think it's phenomenal but the best thing about it jr is this is a fun deal and it doesn't cost an arm and a leg what does it cost
2: it's a mere 100 dollars for a two-person team that includes uh, all of the check-in and check-out uh, the fishing portion, your steak lunch, which is included, and then all of your targets in the afternoon. So uh, be hard to beat this price if you were just doing this day without um, the tournament aspect.
1: And then you have door prizes. That's what you told me, by the way, when I told you I might not be able to place in it. You said I maybe I could win a door prize.
2: Well, and for people um, that, uh, you know, you're going to want to stick around, Terry. Uh, we're going to finish the day. With the presentation of the, of course, the coveted Casting Clays trophy. But we also have payouts and prizes for all of the categories um, and drawings for bunches of prizes donated by our incredible sponsors. So uh, it's just a win win all the way around.
1: Now, um, the, the other thing, too, is it gives people a chance both to experience Bar Lake, which is a, a very underused fishery, and to see the sporting clays set up out at Colorado Clays, which is phenomenal.
2: Absolutely. Um, there's uh, – most people don't do this day on their own, Terry. And this will – just pushes a lot of people to come do it. Everybody that does, uh, this is their favorite day of the year. So it's also one of mine, and I can't wait to see everyone.
1: Okay, i got to let you go because we're out of time. But it's going to be uh, June 4th, I believe you said?
2: June 4th. And, and
1: there's 4th. I'm sure there's information on the Colorado Clays website – but the last comment I got to make is I need those waypoints you, for those fish I've been seeing with pictures on Bar Lake.
2: <laughs> Terry, I think we went over this. My waypoints are not for sale.
1: I don't want to pay for them. <laughs> I just want them. All right, JR, thanks for joining us. All right. Thank you, Terry. All right, JR from Colorado Clays. Go to coloradoclays.com. Check it out. It is phenomenal. I mean, it's just terrific. Terry Wicks from Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company, Honey Smoke Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest motorcycle and ATV dealer. We're going to go right to the phones now. And joining us from Larimer County Parks, we have Devin Newman. Good morning, Devin.
3: Good morning, Terry. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. And you and I haven't got a chance to uh, speak yet, but Mark Coughlin surely spoke highly of you. I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult, but...
3: <laughs> I'm hoping that's a compliment.
1: No, it is. I like Mark. He's a very good friend, very good friend. I've known him for many years. And we're going to talk, uh, I guess, about the Larimer County Lakes, maybe more specifically horsetooth, but bring people up to date. You know, it's that time of the year when conditions change, hours change, fishing change, and we want to kind of bring them up to speed. So Let's, um, let's start with a little bit. of What's the water condition, at Say say, Tooth right now?
3: Uh, right now we're about 90 per, 95% capacity in the reservoir, and the water temperature is around 55 degrees. So it is slowly warming up, but it's still a little chilly on this part.
1: Yeah, so, and the fishing should just get better and better. How about your boat ramp hours? Uh, are they uh, going to change? Are you into your summer hours yet? Or are they going to change? What are we looking at?
3: We are into our summer hours now, where our Horsetooth, um, all three ramps, the South Bay Ramp, the uh, Inlet Bay Ramp, and also the Satanka Ramp are open seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. And then the Carter Lake Ramps are a little bit different. The uh, South Shore and the North Ramp are open from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., seven days a week. But the North Pines Ramp is open Wednesday through Sunday only from 8 till 4 p.m.
1: Now, I, I want to make sure people understand that Larimer County Parks had to go out and put together a coalition along with Parks and Wildlife to make sure these ANS inspections were available so those ramps could be open. Kudos to you guys for the effort you put into that.
3: Well, thank you. I mean, we really needed to have those open for the season. Um, the reservoirs are just too much of a draw for the general public not to be able to have access to them, so it's something we had to get done.
1: Let's talk before we get to the fishing a little bit about the amenities. Um, people think, you know, we talk on this show a lot about the fishing at uh, Horsetooth and Carter and some of the other lakes Lermer counties manage. But really, you've got a great camping and uh, other picnic, other types of things available, don't you?
3: Yes, we have a lot of different areas as far as camping goes. We have 15 boat-in sites at the Horsetooth Reservoir. Um, those are on the reservoir and they're only accessed by boat. But we also have uh, cap, uh, campers. cabin campers i'm sorry so cabins uh seven of those here at horse tooth reservoir there are full hookups there's electrical site hookups um and we also have an airstream camper that is available for rent
1: and that's kind of neat the old airstream you see it there it's all nice that's kind of a nostalgic way to camp that used to be the way now we only got about four or five minutes left so i really want to touch on the fishing though Horsetooth and Carter and the other lakes you manage provide some of the best fishing opportunities in the state, although they can be a little different to fish. They don't fish so much like the uh, Cherry Creek and Chatfield are a little different, more shallow shad-based. You get a little deeper water. You still have shad. You have some smelt, and you have other forage. So it fishes a little different. But what are you seeing for the fishing out on, say, Horsetooth right now?
3: So the Horsetooth— Right now, I would say for the walleye, you're going to want to do it at night, and they're pretty deep. They're about you know, 30 feet or so, um, but at night you're going to get the biggest walleye coming out of here. Um, in the daytime, I would say any north-facing uh, rock wall is great for smallmouth bass right now. They're they're hitting pretty well. They're starting to come up a little bit higher in the reservoir, but um, you still may need to go a little bit deeper than, say, midsummer.
1: And, you know, they're probably pre-spawn on the bass and post-spawn on the walleyes, if that helps people at all. Although there may still be some spawning going on on the walleyes because your water stays a little colder. Also, there's there's not the huge numbers of them there were, but there's some very large rainbow trout in that lake. Yes, we do.
3: We've, we've had a lot of rainbow trout um, that were placed in here about two years ago, and they have been growing exponentially since,
1: are you there? I think I might have lost you for a minute. You there? No, I'm here. Okay. I'm here. Yeah, right. Okay. So yeah, and I know that Ronnie has nailed some of those some of those big big trout. Uh what about some of the other fish that are available in there? I think with the high water you've experienced over the last few years, we're probably going to see the panfish and the perch coming on again too at Horse Tooth.
3: And they should. There's a lot of panfish, a lot of bluegill now, especially in the coves. With the high water right now, with all the uh, structure of the trees that are in the water, it produces a uh, great environment for those panfish. Um, Haven't seen a lot of perch lately, but I'm sure they're going to be coming up as well.
1: And how about Carter? Have you heard any reports on what's going on there? I have
3: not. I haven't heard that much from Carter. Again, I would think it's still going to be in the condition that the water is still at 55 degrees. It's going to be a little bit colder, the fish are going to be a little bit slower and deeper. Um, as the water warms up, they'll start to come up and-
1: all right, and then so you've got the walleye fishing should just get better and better. One thing I should mention, too, I believe there still is no length limit on walleyes at Horse Tooth, so that if you want to come out and catch a couple of those 15-, 16-inch walleyes to take home for the pan, you certainly can do that, right? That is correct. And there, I love coming out to Tooth. We all love to chase big walleyes, right? And whenever I catch a big one, I photograph it and let it go. But if I can get a couple 16 inches, throw them in the live well or take them back, you know, I gotta. Obviously, you gotta dump the live well when you go through the inspection and leave and things. Uh, oh, those taste so good. The good Lord did a huge disservice to the walleye when he made them taste so good. <laughs> yes. All right. Any last minute comments you want to make sure people are aware of?
3: Um, I would say our reservation system for our camping. We are extremely busy this time of year, and it's already picked up a little bit more than uh, what it did in the past. Um, so our, we're almost to our summer uh, capacity levels early in the spring. So we really want to let everybody know that the reservation system for LarimerCounty.com or LarimerCamping.com is the best way to get online and, and try to get a reservation for either here at Horsetooth or at Carter Lake.
1: Devin thank you so much for joining us and updating us on the conditions. I think horse tooth is at that tipping point but we're going to see it just get better and better as we get into the the water warming for summer. I agree. All right, thanks Devin. Thank you, Terry. That's Devin from uh, Larimer County Parks and Wildlife. Um a couple of things I want to do some a couple of house cleaning things. First of all, I want to mention that uh Horsetooth Reservoir, I did an article in my uh, one of my Denver Post columns. I write a weekly column for the Denver Post. I hope you follow that. Easiest way to follow it is just like Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We post a link to the column because it doesn't always come up on the same day. So we post a link on my Facebook page. It will take you right to the col- column. I did write a column on Horsetooth Reservoir. Um, back uh, a few weeks or maybe a few months ago, you can find that by uh, going through our Facebook page or by doing a search at the Denver Post under my name that will come up. So uh, follow us. Uh, We're doing our Ask the Expert is back. We really want you to participate in this. To do the Ask the Expert, again, all the rules and everything and how you participate are on our Facebook page, okay? Uh, Just go to Terry Outdoors. And you'll see pinned right to the top. Send us your questions. If we choose to answer your question on the air, you get a $25 gift card from Sportsman's Warehouse just for sending it in. And you get your question answered, okay? So remember to participate in the Ask the Expert. And I want to take another 20 seconds. You know, the funding bill for Colorado Parks and Wildlife was defeated in committee in the Colorado Senate uh, by a 3-2 to two vote. Uh, I'm not saying the bill was not flawed, but the fact that it never got to the floor for debate really troubles me. I am offering for any of the three Republican senators that voted against this bill in the Finance Committee to send me an email at Terry at Gmail, and I would love to give them a chance to come on and explain the rationale so that we understand how that happened. Join us this week, every week, right here at uh, 104.3 The Fan for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors every Saturday from 9 to 11.